37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 125 of Pixelated Paranormal, Abduction to the Ninth Planet, the third and final chapter. Golden Planet, Golden Showers. <laughs> he waited all day to say that. Golden showers bring golden flowers. <laughs> I'm excited to see what you brought to the table, man, to title finish like that, up I bet this. bet your fucking ass we are. <laughs> right, right. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see how, see how it ends. Yeah. So, good deal. Anything new with anybody? You guys uh, got anything exciting to share? No. No, not really. I mean, I, I do. It's not really like paranormal-wise, but... Uh, no, people care about you too, Steve, not yeah. just your cool. uh, paranormal prowess. Preston here, he got me the hookup on a sweet retro 1960s uh, console by Magnavox. Ooh. It's freaking awesome. The speakers still sound great. It's got bass. It's It's amazing. And... I've never had like a a retro console like that and being able to turn that on and like I was researching it I took the back panel off like looked at all the circuits and capacitors and stuff and and like it's just crazy to see that something built while Kennedy was still alive is mm-hmm. working in my house right now and still sounds <laughs> yeah. so good that's crazy to me well, and really, I don't think we do you call it a console. It's more like a cabinet. It's like an entire like four or five foot long cabinet. Yeah, but is is isn't that what they called them, Preston? Like I con- think so. They they call them like uh, the uh, like cabinet consoles because it's got the built in speakers, the built in uh, receiver, yeah. and then the built in turntable. Gotcha. Okay. See, I always think of a I always think of a console as like a Xbox or a PlayStation <laughs> or something like right. that. You know today's terminology for console and right an all-in-one entertainment center yeah kind of what an xbox is (laughs) and like and like it's cool because like with the record with with records um i don't get like crazy into it like some people do like they'll spend thousands of dollars but like this if this stays working i mean i would love to put money into this and like make it and then like just have it as an heirloom because it's so badass dude i love it yeah and well, you could strip it down and refurbish the uh, the stain, you know, yeah. stain yeah. and stuff if you wanted it to. Is, it doesn't look bad as it is, yeah. though, for as old as it, as it is. I know. It looks pretty nice. Yeah, right. It's so it's so rad. But I've got a couple paranormal uh, records coming to me here pretty soon. What? I've what? Yeah, I've got a, a original fucking War of the Worlds <laughs> uh, <clears throat> broadcast on the record that my buddy has. He's going to hold for me. And then, oh, I thought you had that already. No, I've got the War of the Worlds, the musical. <laughs> oh, which is, okay. the aliens! They're coming! <laughs> yeah. coming. Yeah. It's pretty silly. Uh, something like that would be cool. Like my buddy, he's getting ready to buy um, a record to MP3 so he can record his actual music that he that he pressed records back in the '90s. And when he buys that, I'm gonna I'm gonna help him do that. And he's got the masters, like the the metal plates, so it's gonna be sweet. Um, oh, dude! But when, I'd love to have a copy of that then. Yeah, but when yeah, when I do that, I want to do that with like the War of the Worlds thing, the musical, because I don't know if that's available digitally or not. But I think it'd be cool with like the record yeah. cracks and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I want a copy yeah. of that, not your buddy's records. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Dick move. So, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty sweet. So, um, if I don't know, I can't speak enough. I'm not been telling. I'm like, dude, I'm telling 
everybody about that thing. <laughs> like, I love that I bet. Thing. I believe it. It's so cool. I've like, created a monster. Yeah, yeah. It's... Oh, he was a monster long before you came along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love, I love, uh, I love records, man. I, lo- I love that shit, and I love finding like finding gems in the wild. You know, I'm not a person that's gonna go spend. I, in fact, I just bought my first. Well, I didn't buy it. My roommate bought it for me for Christmas. Uh, my very first, like, actual um, recent artist. I mean, he's passed away, unfortunately, but. Uh, it's a dual LP and like was bought brand new. Like I've never done that. I don't have any brand new, brand new records. Oh, uh, is this like Juice World and Takashi Six Nine? No, no, no. It's uh, <laughs> Lil Peep, Lil Peep record. Oh, but, um, not much better. Yeah, but... it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Well, that's cool, man. I'm I'm glad that you uh, you enjoy that and it's something it's something very unique for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if there's somewhere to put it in your place, you ought to have it out. You know. On just, it's, it's a shame to have it, you know, in a spare room, but you really also don't want people spilling drinks on it and stuff yeah, like that. exactly. Fucking putting their asses on it, like, get the fuck off of that, motherfuckers. Yeah, you know, some dumb-dumb would walk in and just sit on it like it's some kind of bench. Yeah, but that's the good thing about having it having it, and keeping it mint and all that shit, you know, like, if, mm-hmm. whenever I move, if I move whatever, you know, I'd like to at least try to keep that, you know. God, it's just, it's, what do you mean? What do you mean? Try to keep it? Like we're gonna keep it? No, I'm saying like <laughs> I mean, if like some if people move like away far away, yeah, you know, like sometimes they don't take stuff like that. That's why God made you holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. you fucker. And if you don't, if you do move far away, holler at your boy. I got five on it. <laughs> I got five on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a five hundred percent profit true, on true. the each dollar you spent on that thing. It's true. <laughs> but I only accept shroot bucks. Ah, uh, I've got shroot bucks for days, bro. <laughs> for days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, dude. I'm really glad you got yeah. it. It's that's super cool, man. Preston, anything new with you, buddy? Nope. Oh yeah. Well, I'm drinking a, a really interesting beer here, and I wanted to tell you about it because it's actually named after you, oddly enough. It's from Founders Brewery, and it is a Scotch ale called Dirty Bastard. <laughs> Why am I a dirty bastard? Have I don't not, know. Just... Have you not heard the stuff going on with all that? With Founders Brewery? Yeah. What? Yeah. No. What? What? <laughs> if you, are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being dead serious. E- elaborate, please. Yeah. Uh, they're in some deep water for some racist remarks that they've made publicly. I'm no the dirty way. bastards. I'm pretty sure. Because no. I don't know anything about the brewing community, but I know yeah. that um, these, of course, my fucking keyboard isn't working. Um, no, you're right, dude. Uh, yeah. Founders Brewery reaches settlement in racial discrimination lawsuit with Tracy Evans. Yeah. Founders Brewing Co. founder Dave Ingber said and repeated last Friday that Founders is confident in winning the racial discrimination lawsuit. A fired employee had filed against the brewer. Six days later, as anger built across the craft beer community and beyond, as uncertainty surrounded the closed Founders Brewer Tap Room, the tune changed. The Grand Rapids-based brewery in Michigan's largest, sorry, Michigan's largest, announced Thursday afternoon it reached a settlement with former Detroit Tap Room Events and Promotions Manager Tracy Evans. One year after Evans filed the lawsuit. He alleged that Founders tolerated a racial internal corporate culture and that Founders fired him in retaliation for complaints to human resources about racism on staff. Terms Mm -hmm. were not disclosed. 
and then the article goes too long for me to tell on just a random, you know. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, funny that, <laughs> it's funny that I knew that before you. And the only reason why is because there's two <clears throat> geek bars, uh, the, the, one of the biggest ones in town. They even uh-huh. they announced today. They said, unfortunately, we're no longer serving founders uh founders beer oh, and then shit. they were like please read why in the comments and they were being very mm-hmm. very very transparent of like why they made this decision and i was like what i had no idea and then so i clicked the link read a little bit about it and i was like oh it's just synchronicity man <laughs> like you brought that up and talked about it it's so crazy yeah that's nuts i uh, i didn't realize that that was a thing or i probably honestly wouldn't have bought it but well, you heard it here first, babe. Or babe. Boys. <laughs> God, why did I say babe? <laughs> what? You heard, it, you heard oh, it here first, everyone. You heard it here first, folks. Steve called it here, babe. Sean's you a drunk here racist. first, boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it says Evans filed a lawsuit with Evans vs. Canal Street Brewing Company in October 2018, um, saying that one of the problems that he ran into was at the Grand Rapids headquarters. They had electronically labeled black guy printer and white guy printer. And multiple employees used the N-word around Evans and were not immediately fired. Whoa. The case worked its way through court and the story exploded into national headlines and on social media on October 21st due to a leaked deposition from the case. No, fuck that. There's no there's no whoopsie daisy leaked. I'm glad that shit got leaked. Yeah, you know it like that's yeah, crazy. accidental. No, that's not accidental. The person who that who did that's like fuck yeah, boom and send. TMZ, what up? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's dude. crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, might be the last founders I drink for a little while. Yeah. Well, shit, that sucks, man. Uh, hopefully that doesn't you know represent the entire brewery staff, but fuck all of them that it does. Yeah. In other news, guys, um, unfortunately, I've got some bad news about a certain duck and his dick. Hmm. A UK-based duck recently had to have his penis amputated due to overstimulation and overusage by breeding too much. (laughs) What a fucking G! (laughs) The duck was... The duck was forced to have his penis surgically removed after it became infected due to his insatiable, his insatiable sex drive. <laughs> Josh Watson of Devon in the UK said his nymphomaniac pet would mate with female companions Dora, Edith, and Frida between five and ten times a day, even outside of mating season. Oh, you gotta it hold got that to the devil's <laughs> Yeah, it got to the point where his threesome partners would wander off during sex and even peck at his pecker to ward off unwanted advances. The only thing I could take from this story right now is that Josh Watson loves watching this shit. He knows the routines, (laughs) the partners. (laughs) I mean, that's dude. the duck literally walks into the roost with a boner and they're like, well, look at the time. (laughs) They peck at it. Oh, my God. Uh, unfortunately, the male horny Drake, that's the name for a male duck, paid the ultimate price for his amorous adventures whenever his member became gangrenous. Oh my god! He the end of his penis off. <laughs> the end of his penis had basically died oh and it became god. pretty <laughs> the end of his penis had basically died and it became pretty horrible. 
It started not going back in the sheath, and eventually we had to give him a bath just to keep it clean because it remained outside. When antibiotics failed to remedy the problem, Watson had to take Dave to Bristol's Highcroft Veterinary Hospital, and they had to amputate it due to overuse. The member actually had begun to prolapse and became septic, something that could not be treated due to the severity and would become life-threatening. So they removed the tip of the penis via amputation. Now, the duck penis is said to only be used for sex, and he'll still be able to live and urinate just fine afterward. Dude, he's he's done. <laughs> His whole basis of life was just taken from him. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like, man, this is the life, isn't it, folks? Wait a second. That is the craziest story. That's nuts. Yeah. That is because we are the headquarters for the unusual and the strange. And yeah. I found that very unusual <laughs> and very strange. Unusual. I was not expecting <laughs> that at all. Uh, well, I'm going to boost the mood here from that and give you guys some electric feels here about a story about an electric eel. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the Tennessee Aquarium, they have made a very unusual Christmas decoration this year, guys. They've taken an electric eel and hooked up a variety of different sensors to the water. And every time this very specific electric eel named Miguel Watson <laughs> releases, whenever he releases electrical currents into the water, it boosts the signal of a Christmas tree light cord, causing the lights to get brighter or more dim, depending on the frequency of electric, uh, the frequency of electric waves it puts into the water. So they say that the eels in their natural habitat release a certain electric current into the water whenever they eat, whenever they get excited, whenever they get scared, and whenever they get hurt. So what this translates to is a rapid dim blinking of the Christmas tree lights that are hooked up to the sensors in his tank. So every time he eats, they get brighter and start to flash. That is pretty cool. And lastly, Steve, this one is very close to your heart. A man who was too intoxicated to work called in sick and then showed up to rob the steak and shake that he worked at. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Kentarius Gowan said he was too drunk to go to work, but then the Georgia police said it didn't stop him from showing up, demanding money, and holding a gun to a coworker. Oh my in God. Oakwood, in Oakwood, Georgia, the man called in sick to a steak and shake into a steak and shake job because he was intoxicated and then he showed up later holding the place at gunpoint demanding money and threatening to shoot a coworker. That's crazy. That's crazy shit, dude. Oh my God. His mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, at least nobody died and nobody funny. got hurt, you know? Yeah, that's very I true. Kinda feel bad. When he walked I, I kind of feel bad for the dude. I do When people too. do shit like that when they're drunk, man, like, yeah, and he's that young. Like he's, I would hope he's not an alcoholic yet. He's probably just being Man, dumb, you know, and dumb. Right? You think when he walked in, he said, "Freeze! This is a stake up." <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I do love some oh. fucking steak and shake. Fuck. Yeah, you do. The jalapeno burger is pretty solid. Dude, that garlic burger, Preston. Come on. What was that? <laughs> Fucker. Jesus. Was that garlic like burger a... not the shit or what? You had that, right? Oh, man, that garlic burger Dude. was the bomb.com. I know. 
Dude, I and it's like man. super fucking cheap. Like that's the cheapest place that you can get a yeah. fucking hamburger nowadays. Yep. And I, I, dude, I've emailed Second Shake like, please come to Wichita. Please come to Wichita. I fucking love. They're like, that. bitch, we don't tour. No, like they're. <laughs> I think it has to do because of the Freddy's thing. Mm. And Freddy's is the flex in Wichita. Here's the thing: if Steak and Shake could create a better French fry, they'd have that shit on lockdown. They sell those garbage ass three millimeter thick fucking shoestring potatoes. Yeah, and that could take a hike. A lot of people love that shit, though. I do. A lot of people are wrong. Just ask the Nazis. Get some truffle fries in that bitch. Yeah. But, I mean. With some chocolate ketchup. Like Preston said, it's $3 meals, man. Three, $4 meals. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't fucking. (laughs) You you can't complain. Can't fuck with the steak and shake, bro. Yeah, dude. It's so cheap. What I like about it, too, is I always get a half a milkshake for free because Steve can't finish his because the beaties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I normally get to finish the cake. <laughs> Looks like, like some kind of 1930 <laughs> second-rate second date. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Fuck it, dude. Who gives a shit? Hell yeah. A man has 39 candy bars and eats 26. What does he have? Yeah. Diabetes. Diabetes, <laughs> right. And Steve is such a 1930s gentleman, he doesn't make me pay for my half of the shake. Yeah, and, and check this out. Do not, do not <laughs> get it twisted, listeners. When I go out to eat or when I go somewhere, I'm scoping out tables. If I see somebody order something and they did not touch it, that shit is mine. <laughs> and that includes drinks, too. If I see that you just ordered a... You ordered this and you didn't take a fucking sip off of it? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I I don't do it myself, but you did make a very good point once when we went to Fuzzy Tacos. Uh, you and I and Shayla and Brady and Brandy and uh, some of the kids went with us. And there was this yuppie couple that kept ordering like fishbowl-sized margaritas. They literally took one sip and they go, ew, and like push it off to the side of the table when they left, they had at least three completely, I mean, nearly untouched margaritas. That's like $40 worth of booze just on a table. And I remember you just said, huh, fuck it. Walked over and grabbed it, threw the straw back on the table. And you're like, it's alcohol, right? And then it took that thing to pound town. Yeah, it was good, too. <laughs> it was pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't care, yeah, man. I don't know. I'm, all, I'm all about yeah. saving that money. You know, I'm not going to remember going there and eating go ahead, half, half-eaten shit. But if like I see them order something, they're like, ooh, like that, that, that type of thing, you know? Fuck it. I'll what makes it. me laugh is that reminds me of a story. Um, back when I was in high school working at Pizza Hut, my best friend Devin and I, um, we were like, you know, the waiters quite often. We were the the two waiters on shift. And I remember he had a table and I want to say they ordered like 20 wings, ate all the wings, ate their pizza, and then ordered like 20 more. And then Devin brought the wings out to the table and they pretty much ate like two. And then I asked for the check, paid, and left. So when Devin went back over to the table to bust the table, he just freaking went animalistic on this plate of wings. Why not? Right. (laughs) I'll tell you why not. Um, He didn't wait long enough or get wise enough to take it to the back of the store because he's about, I don't know, 10 wings in. He's got sauce all over his face, all over his fingers. Mm -hmm. And the guy came back in because I think he left his keys on the table. (laughs) He sees, he, sees he just sees Devin like a fucking gremlin <laughs> just going to town on these hot wings. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. You know what's crazy is um, <laughs> in when you go to uh, – there's a Netflix documentary, uh, kind of like a miniseries called Broken, and they talk about mm-hmm. the waste of food waste. And I've seen – I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen things like on uh, 
you know, things like on Facebook would be like vice, you know, like life hacks, like guy, guy lives clearly or guy lives off of scraps. And then you watch this video about how this dude does this or whatever. I've seen ones like that where. Oh yeah. I've watched a couple yeah, of those too. Yeah. yeah they're like, I conserve I don't remember the name, name of the, what they do, but. I yeah, I don't want to be that bad. <laughs> Just saying. No, but it makes a really good point. Yeah, it makes a good point. I've watched a couple, you know, of those uh, My Strange Addictions, and there was one about people who lived off of scraps, and they'd make they'd make dinner, you know, for friends by all the food they scavenged, like you know, people who threw away potato salad and meat and stuff like that. And you know, I'm sure it was mm-hmm. a little bit uh, exaggerated, but it's interesting nonetheless. The amount of waste that we just throw away every day especially in restaurants and and, uh, grocery stores and shit. It's crazy. Well, speaking of crazy, Preston, why don't you go ahead and take us home on abduction to the ninth planet? Are you going to give us another recap? Um, Not as enthusiastic. Last time uh, we met, this guy named Michelle was abducted by aliens from Australia. He discovered after wanting to really, you know, bang one out with this really hot... um, (laughs) nude female alien that she actually was a transvestite sidebar there's nothing wrong with that um but she was uh, a things <laughs> there was something wrong with that comment oh my god Preston. <laughs> you couldn't even make it one sentence into your story <laughs> I was just saying, I you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Dr. <laughs> Frankenfurter was a transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Okay, what I, right, I we'll really should have gave a disclaimer that said, because I knew it was coming, the following joke Preston's about to make does <laughs> not actually reflect the views of the other two-thirds of the podcast. <laughs> anyway, the alien took him on an intergalactic tour across the universe, showing him basically the creation of life, uh, one planet that was dying, kind of like Fallout 76. And then uh, I think that's about does it, right? No, well, the second episode was the history lesson of, you know, the black people. I just recounted the first episode again. Yeah. (laughs) You did? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All right, Preston, what happened in the second episode? And then uh, so we had the history lesson on on planet Earth about how the the black people and the Asian people came from the planet called Bacaterini. Yeah. The only thing that the people need to remember from the last episode is that these are some racist ass aliens. They are. They certainly yeah. are. But it was a good. It was a good episode. And what what did it end on? Because like there was like no action, right? Because I was like, you made me wait all yeah, that time. Uh, and I was like, what? so they uh, they got done with the history lesson, and uh, she turned to Michelle and uh, basically said, you know, I'm going to basically tell you the mission, like why we brought you, you know, mm-hmm. here, and that's where episode three picks up. So the alien Dow turns to Michelle and says, Now it is time to explain to you our motives for bringing you to Theuba. We are entrusting you with a mission. This mission, if you choose to accept it, is to report all that you are going to see, live, and hear during your time with us. Report everything in one or several books that you will write when you return to Earth. We have been observing the behavior of the people on your planet for thousands and thousands of years, as you now realize. A certain percentage of these people are arriving at a very critical point in history, and we feel that the time has come to assist them. If they will listen, we can ensure they will take the right path. This is why you have been chosen. So take that, George Lucas. (laughs) But I am not a writer. Why haven't you chosen a good writer, someone well-known, or a good journalist? 
And I want to point out that we've struggled trying to reread some of this shit. Like, punctuation is not his forte, so goddamn right. He's not a good writer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only writers who might have done it, as must be done, are dead. Plato, Victor Hugo, would have been our first pick, and they still would have reported the facts with too much stylistic embellishment. This fucking egomaniac. They end up with this thing. Yeah. Don't get it twisted, Michelle. We could have had Shakespeare and maybe had Scott Fitzgerald, but you're going to have to do. Listen, we wanted Plato, but we settled for the Dollar Tree version. <laughs> you, Michelle. <laughs> right. But we require the most precise account possible. Well, then you need a journalist reporter. Michelle, you know yourself that journalists on your planet are so inclined towards sensationalism. That they often distort the truth. How often, for example, do you see news reports that differ from one channel or paper to paper? Whom do you believe when one gives death tolls in an earthquake at 75, yet another says 62, and another 95? You average that shit together. (laughs) Do you really imagine we would trust a journalist? You're absolutely right. I guess I'll be your sloppy second choice. That's what she said. (laughs) We have observed you, and we know all about you, as we know about the others on Earth, and you were selected. But why exactly me? I'm not the only one on Earth capable of objectivity. Big word. In time, you will learn the principal reason behind our choice. Michelle, almost 2,000 years ago, did they believe that Christ was sent by God as he claimed? Now, however, there are millions who believe what he said. Look, now that you have brought religion into this, and after all that I've seen, I've been aching to ask you this one question. Who is God? Does he or she exist? On an ancient stone tablet, which I believe is called the Nikal, it is written, In the beginning there was nothing, all was darkness and silence. The spirit, the superior intelligent, the grand architect of the universe, decided to create the words, and he commanded to four superior forces. Look, monkey man, it's extremely difficult for the human mind, even with highly developed, to comprehend such a thing. In fact, in a sense, it is impossible. But shit, let's give it a shot. In the beginning, there was nothing except darkness and the spirit. The spirit. The spirit was and is infinitely powerful. Wait, wasn't that a shitty movie, too? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Powerful beyond the comprehension of any human mind. The spirit is so powerful that he was able, by the action of his will alone, to trigger an atomic explosion with chain reactions and unimaginable forces. In fact, the spirit imagined the worlds he imagined how to create them, from the most enormous to the most minuscule. He imagined the atoms when he imagined them he created, in his imagination, all that moved and all that will move, all that lived and will live, all that is motionless or seemed to be very to be a very single thing. But it existed only in his imagination. All was still in darkness. Once we had an overall view of what he wanted to create, he was able, by his exceptional spiritual force, to create instantaneously the four forces of the universe. With these, he directed the first and most gigantic atomic explosion of all time what certain people on Earth call the Big Bang. 
Darkness was gone, and the universe was creating itself according to the will of the Spirit. The Spirit was thus, is still, and always will be at the center of the universe, for He is the master and creator of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Wait, the Bible thumpers had it right? I mean, it pretty close to the story of God as the Christian religion teaches it. Michelle, I speak of no religion such as exists on earth. Don't confuse re religion with the creation and the simplicity of all that ensued. Don't confuse logic with the illogical distortions of religions. During billions of years, however, for the creator, of course, it was internally the present. All the world's suns and atoms were formed as you were taught in school, the planets revolving around their suns and sometimes with their own satellites. At certain times in certain solar systems, some planets cool down, soil is formed, rocks solidified, oceans are formed, and land masses became continents. All this was in the beginning, in the imagination of the spirit. What we call his first force, the atomic force. At this stage, by his second force, he conceived primary living creatures and many of the primary planets, from which later derived the subspecies. The second force we will call the oval cosmic force, as these creatures and plants were created by simple cosmic rays, which ended up with cosmic eggs. At the very beginning, the spirit imagined experiencing feelings through, the, uh, through a special creature. He had imagined man by means of the third force that we will call the oval cosmic force. Thus man was created. Have you ever considered, Michelle, what, intelligent, what intelligence it took to create a human being or even an animal? Blood that circulates thanks to the heart that beats millions of times independently of the will, lungs that purify the blood by means of a complex system, the nervous system, the brain which gives the orders, aided by the five senses, the spinal cord, which is ultra-sensitive and which will make you instantly withdraw your hand from a hot stove so you won't, won't burn yourself. Have you ever wondered why that of the billions of individuals on a planet like yours, there are no two fingerprints the same, and why what we call the crystalline of the blood is just as unique among individuals as the fingerprint? Your experts and technicians on Earth and on other planets have tried and still try to create a human body. Have they succeeded? In regards to the robots they have made, not even the most highly perfected will ever be more than a vulgar machine in comparison with that of the human mechanism. So, 25 minutes after this deep and heavy uh, theology lesson, their ship now approaches the Yuba. And Michelle goes on to describe it as a planet being covered in a mist of gold, luminous with a, a shimmer that no words can put into perspective. This is actually very similar for me to the uh, story of Zachariah Stitchin and tells of the Anunnaki, you know, stories of gods who came to Earth. They were giant, um, and they came here to mine gold to repair their planet's atmosphere. So maybe like the Anunnaki and the Thuvians are the same thing. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, they land, and on the view screen of the ship, Michelle now describes what he saw. What captivated me most was the color before me. I was dazzled. All the colors were in each tonal variation more vivid than ours. A bright green, for example, almost shone it radiated color. A dark green had the opposite effect. It kept its color. It is extremely difficult to describe, for the colors on this planet could not be compared with any that exist on Earth. A red could be recognized as red, 
but it wasn't the red we know. There is a word in Thal's language which defines the types of colors on Earth and on planets similar to ours. Our colors are Calabloca, which I translate sure. as dull. <laughs> Theirs, on the other hand, are Thelosokovaniki, which means they radiate their colors from within. So, before him laid a vast city of egg-like structures, which Dow tells him are the buildings on this planet. And Michelle at this time noticed how similar they are to the sh shape of the ships and probes that he had seen on his journey here. Lots of probes. Ooh. Michelle, there is something more important that I must explain to you. Our planet contains many surprises for you, but there are two which could be harmful, which could have harmful effects on you. I must therefore ensure that you take certain elementary precautions. The Yuba does not have the same gravitational forces as your planet Earth. Your weight would be 70 kilograms on Earth. Here, it would be 47 kilograms. When you leave the spacecraft, if you aren't careful, you risk losing your sense of equilibrium in your movements and your reflexes. You'll be inclined to take too great a stride and perhaps fall and injure yourself. But I don't understand. In your spacecraft, I feel fine. We've adjusted the gravitational pull to match that uh, of yours to make your journey comfortable, but for a whole planet, we cannot. The second point is you'll have to wear a mask, for a while at least, for the brightness and colors will literally intoxicate you as if you have drunk alcohol. The colors and vibrations that act on certain points on your psychological body would be too much. So they get in the space shuttle transportation thing and bam, they make their way to town. And uh, they come up to a town hall type building where he introduces, uh, where he's introduced to about 30 people, all whom look the same age. And Michelle describes the following. Their faces wore expressions of sincere joy and goodness, and I was deeply touched by the warmth of their reception. It was as if they considered me one of them. Dow explained their principal question was, why is he so sad? Is he ill? But I am not sad. I know, but they're not accustomed to the facial expressions of the people of Earth. Faces here, as you can see, reflect a perpetual happiness. So, from this, I'm guessing Earthlings appear to have resting dick face all the time because these aliens are, like, over the top with facial expressions. So, moving past the RDF, they finish up their meet and greet and make their way back to the Star Wars speeder. They're cruising at a whopping 45 miles per hour. So you think that they're on the golden planet like this bitch could haul ass, but they're moving like grandpa. <laughs> Warm and fragrant. Michelle... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Warm and fragrant, and I again felt euphoric in a way I've never felt on Earth. We arrived at the edge of a forest, and I remember thinking, my God, those trees are at least 600 feet tall. Pandora shit. <laughs> 850 feet to be exact, and some of them are 8,000 of your Earth years old. <clears throat> Would you like to see your apartment now, Michelle, or shall we explore the forest? Forest of tranquility? Aside from the vivid colors and butterflies, which were three feet in wingspan, giant hummingbirds and macaws, it was just a forest, similar to Earth, but with some LSD behind it. <laughs> okay, hold on. You go from fucking trees that are going to eat you, and you're like, nope, that's boring. But these big ass <laughs> fucking butterflies, oh my god, that'd be insane. Look, Steve, if you want to experience it, just go hit some acid and then stand outside because basically it just makes the colors brighter and things are a little bit bigger. It's crazy. I mean, Do you... it's not like, you know, I was expecting like, you know, giant, like, uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, what is it, the the Venus fly traps and like all that weird shit. And <laughs> yeah. He was just like, and the butterflies were feet, three feet wide. The macaws were really big and bright. <laughs> the trees were really tall. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I feel frustrated in my attempts to describe the colors I experienced on this planet. I had the constant impression that the colors came out within and shone with a with a brilliance no earthborn person could put into words. For on Earth we might know fifteen shades of red, but here there were hundreds of shades of each color. But the color wasn't the only thing to catch my attention. Music came from all directions, a constant soft noise, when I I could only describe to something akin to a flute. Tao had explained it was the music of the colors, and all life on Dioba music from the vibrations of light radiating from objects so they take back off uh above the trees and pass a river that's jay green in color and an ocean so clear michelle could see fish but they were like fish mixed with platypuses and a beach with hundreds of naked aliens sunbathing as they approached a group of tiny islands those fish there are they sharks no michelle they are called Dijiks. Think of them as cousins to dolphins on your planet. Wait, holy shit, what's that over there? Are those people flying? Yes, Michelle, it is how we travel on Theuba. We use a form of levitation through the vibrations of the planet. However, it is too much to teach you at the moment, which is why we are utilizing this hovercraft. So they land on the island, and Michelle is shown his apartment. It's like an egg-shaped structure lying on its side. It's about 145 feet in length. It is shown it shown a brilliant white with no visible door. Yet they were able to pass through the outer wall with ease. And from inside, the walls were transparent, and the landscape from outside could be seen in all of its glory. Wait, how the hell is that even possible? You see, Michelle, the habitation exists because of a magnetic force field. Every human, animal, and mineral has a natural force or aura surrounding it. Its natural universal shape is that of an oval. We have copied this into an electro-etheric vibration grounded to a nucleus which sets over there in the center of the room. Oh, that smaller egg-shaped thing. Yes, Michelle, it creates a force field so strong that not even the strongest winds or rain could penetrate it. Indeed. So we find out that the house uses the vibrations to heat and cool air. A special stone is used to draw moisture out of the air to make drinkable water. The kitchen had these different colored cubes, which were concentrated forms of various foods like fish, meat, cheese, and other things. And a cube which they called manna, or bread. Now, manna was also the food of the Israelites uh, that they ate when they wandered the desert after the exodus from Egypt, given to them by God, and is the number one food the aliens take to them when they travel across interstellar space. And Dow then explains that the word for home on this planet is pronounced doko. She then handed uh, Michelle a set of robes whose colors matched his aura. Michelle, the color of your robes were chosen according to the color of your aura, which is the reason why you feel so good on this planet. If the people on Earth could see these auras and dress accordingly, there would be no need for pain pills or other medication. Anyways, they then made their way to the city of the Nine Dokos. They made their way to a center building. Michelle noticed the room was bathed in a gold light. The doko was empty except for a series of seven chairs, arranged in a semicircle and each occupied by individuals who by first glance appeared to be petrified. Their eyes glowed from within. Gold light shone around their bodies. Then the head of the, uh, the kung fu monk turned 
towards Michelle and spoke. As Dow has already explained to you, Michelle, you have been chosen by us to visit this planet, report what you have witnessed, what you have seen. Doing so will aid in the enlightenment for the people of Earth. The time has come for certain events must occur. After several thousands of years of darkness and savagery on Earth, a so-called civilization appeared, and technology developed and accelerated for a 150-year period. It had been roughly 14,500 years before any other civilization had come close to matching it. However, technology is nothing compared to the power of true knowledge. Michelle, understand technology alone can be harmful to the human race. Harmful because it is only material knowledge gained through the use of technology, not spiritual knowledge. Technology should aid in the development of spirituality, not confine those within materialistic worlds, which is happening now, at this very moment, on the planet Earth. It's true. Your lives consist of pursuit for wealth, wealth that leads to jealousy, envy, and hatred between the wealthy and the poor. In short, your technology is taking your society down a darker path. So after this, Qui-Gon Jinn explains <laughs> the universe is created around a system of nine. So your higher self or the id, your guardian angel, whatever it is that people call it, is made up of nine parts, including your corporal form and your astral form. Patronus. Your Patronus. Your higher <laughs> self is, is the lower part of a nine-part system that goes all the way back to the creator of the universe. So basically, like, all of us are a fraction, a ninth part of God. The universe itself, the solar systems, life can only exist on a solar system that have nine planets. So if you have like a, a sun that only has like two gas giants, you're never going to find life around it. So this, uh, this concept of the number nine is sacred. So any solar system out there that has nine planets, you bet your bottom dollar it's going to have life. And planets can be broken down by nine categories. People who live on a number nine planet are the most advanced, and they have the top stage of spirituality and technology like Theuba. Anyone here care to guess where Earth is at? Two. <laughs> Three. Fucking level one. We are the kindergarten of the universe. <laughs> we are so bad that everybody else in the universe calls Earth the planet of sorrows. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> The alien greys rank above us. That's how bad we are. Damn. Yeah. We learned that Earth's greatest flaw or problem is not that of global warming or the harm today's activists say we are doing to the planet. For there is a greater harm that we're doing to our spiritual selves, our astral beings, and it boils down to noise pollution. Pollution that affects the very vibration that our higher self resonates at. And do you all know what the worst noise pollution is? Wow. Uh -huh. Discotech. <laughs> they tell Michelle that the worst <laughs> creation in the universe is, in fact, disco music. What? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm it's really bad. It, it, it throws off <laughs> so, your vibrations, dog. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to finally say it. After that comment, <laughs> I get the feeling this guy is writing this story to reflect his own personal views, <laughs> religious beliefs, and poor taste in music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's the last straw. Fuck you, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I would actually say, you know, if anything's going to fuck up your vibrations, it would be dubstep over discotech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I try, if I want to raise my vibrations, I just turn on the Bee Gees' greatest hits, man. 
Staying alive, staying alive. Shit gets my blood pumping. Uh, what was that uh, band from the 2000s um, from Jamiroquai? Yeah, there you go. that's Can't the go 90s, wrong. but you were close. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to him in the late 90s and early 2000s. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, after all this heavy shit, they make their way back to his apartment. The next day, they explore more of the planet. He sees more of the animals and fauna. Everything's the same, but bigger. He sees more nudists on the beaches, but he describes them as having a rounder hips than uh, any female on the planet Earth with bright blonde mm. hair and a slight appearance of peach fuzz on their lips. Big, beautiful breasts with a skin tone similar to that of Arabs. Yet he never describes in any detail what the plumbing looks like. <laughs> oh <my laughs> He's God. describing Shakira thus far. <laughs> So we're going to have to use our imagination. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. So as they're checking out the news on the beaches, these horses land. But they're not just any horses. They're horses with wings. And not just any horses with wings, of course, but horses with big, beautiful female heads. So like these weird, fucked up centaur things. Whoa. <laughs> So they have a deep conversation about the life and the universe and everything, and Dow throws out this little gem. Everyone has a need, both physically and emotionally, for the friendship of his neighbor, and not only on your planet, but on others as well. As Jesus said when we sent him to you 2,000 years ago, love each other. Hold up. What did you just say about Jesus? That's right, Michelle. We sent Jesus to Earth from this planet 2,000 years ago. All right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> That's great. Everything in life has a purpose. You, me, a midget at a circus. <laughs> so, at this point, Michelle is told that he is a uh, Sukuis, which is a soul that has lived 81 times across multiple planets. We learn that the Hebrews arrive from outer space, and from time to time, the Theubians punish the Hebrews for their dirty deeds. And the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible was actually caused by them by crashing a spaceship into the city. Awesome. <laughs> Michelle, every time you read, and the Lord said this, you should replace that with, the Theubians said this. Heavy shit, man. <laughs> Anyways, at this point in the book, we learn more biblical history. Jesus was like Anakin Skywalker and created by the Force. And I'm not joking. The aliens willed the cells and shit together to form the perfect body to allow Jesus' level 8 astral body to inhabit the physical form here on Earth. We learn Jesus had another uh, a brother named Aruki and that they went on a journey through India, Japan, and finally China where Aruki died. So upset by his brother's death, Jesus cut off a lock of his hair and carried it with him until his death. Jesus, at age 50, married and had children and a wife in Japan and died and was buried there. Now, we actually covered this on a previous show about the, oh, I can't think of the name now, but it, it was basically, there's this town where they have a temple or a shrine. Oh, I remember that. Of Jesus. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, anyways. The aliens created an imposter Jesus, and that's who was crucified in the real Jesus' place. He was an alien named Aroke, and he transferred his or her astral body into a clone body to look like the real Jesus. He was crucified, and in a flash of light, they abducted his body and repaired it and brought him back to life, proving to the masses, a.k.a. simpletons, that there is a creator, life after death, so forth and so on. 
So after all this, where do we go? Where do we go now? To a giant fucking gold egg shaped building in the middle of the planet. <laughs> That's where she takes him next. He walks inside and he sees 250 people floating in a circular pattern in the air. <laughs> he asks some questions like, why are they meditating? They float and down why here. do they look? Yeah, why do they all float? Exactly. Think of that scene in you know the first It movie, mm -hmm. like how those kids are floating. It's basically what these body looks like. Dow explains that they are corpses floating in a state of perfection. She explains some have been there for thousands and thousands of years from all over the galaxy. They float up to a body of a man who looked to have died in the prime of his life. Michelle describes him as having chestnut hair, which is long and curly, noble features, and a short stubby goatee on his face. And at this moment, Dow confirms that this is, in fact, a body of an Earth human. But just not anybody. That's right, folks. Jesus H. Christ himself <laughs> is floating in a state of preservation on an alien planet, along with the other masters of the universe. <laughs> he means a third. <laughs> and that's it. They, just, oh they zap God. him back, and he's back on Earth, and uh, he wrote a book. That's so crazy. That story t started like <laughs> from the first episode started out so great. And then at the end, it's just like, all right, we need to wrap this just, shit up. <laughs> it just takes such a big shit right at the I end. I was like, I was not expecting all this Christianity to Jesus Christ stuff, man. That's nuts. Gosh, <laughs> man. Oh, well. <laughs> it was fun. That was really good, though. I really, really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the fucking Bible study at the end. Yeah, I wasn't. I was like, wait, what? What? Oh, this is getting good. Yeah. Oh man! Like, okay, so what other masters of the universe would be floating up there? Would uh, so think? he describes uh, in detail. There was a, a guy with uh, long gray hair, but his body had like Gandalf. a golden hue. So think of the aliens off of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know how they had like the gold skin. And then uh, there was another alien that was female, and uh, he goes into detail about how her body was pleasantly shaped, and she had nice boobs, and um, but the, she had no eyes. She had this weird proboscis-like horn that came out of the middle of her head, and at the end of that was a series of not like knobs that uh, Dow explained were like uh, fly eyes, so like off of like a, a fly, how they have like those little hexagon shapes or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so basically every time like there's a lower planet, like a level one, level two, um, to help advance them spiritually, the Theubians will send somebody to that planet, and then if something goes awry or after they've spent their time on that planet and helped them along, then they bring them back and basically have like this, you know, mausoleum where they can just go and you know celebrate all their good deeds and shit. Huh, that's crazy. I mean, it's a, it's so there's a like cool story nonetheless. How it all two hundred and fifty, uh, you know, alien Jesuses floating around on this building. Right. Wow. Pretty inter interesting story altogether. You know, even if he'd made it up, you know. Yeah. Still pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I enjoy it. But here's the thing, though: if you think about him making it up, like the shit that you read in here is so batshit crazy and you know it does come across as you know racist um there's you know the, like the religious aspect to it is pretty heavy if if it were fan fiction like i would write it you know why not just write it as a fan fiction i think it would sell better as a fan fiction but he built this as a true story 
And now, like, you know, it didn't make him millions. It didn't make him a lot of money. Like, people read this and, like, dude, this guy is fucking batshit crazy. Like, he's labeled mm-hmm. as the crazy guy. Yeah. So that that might, you know, lend some credibility to the story. That makes sense, yeah, because he could if he could have sold it as fiction, you know. They could have made yeah. money off of it, way more money, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mm-hmm. weird when you, when you think about stuff like that. There's been a lot of projects throughout history that have been like that. Are they telling the truth? And and this was only what one of how many books? One out of four. And the the last book that he wrote has nothing to do with aliens, but it has to do with the feeling of plants and how plants communicate fear um, from all the bad shit that humans do. This dollar store Plato is pretty smart, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh uh, yeah. Well, good job, dude. I really, yeah. I really dig what you put together there. Yeah. Well, Steve, why don't you go ahead and finish things off with a spooky Reddit story? Sweet. This is from the subreddit Paranormal Encounters, posted by user Taken by the Bog. Pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. This one is called "A Shadow Person Might Have Saved My Life." So my wife and I enjoy hiking, camping, and being just out in nature. We aren't experts or even heavy hobbyists by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something we like to do a few times a year. About three and a half years ago, we decided to go on a spontaneous overnight trip in the forest forest we live near. We know the trails well there, and it's pretty popular, so we didn't do much planning. Just figured we'd find a nice spot, enjoy some alone time. We drove to the trails, parked, and began our hike. A little over a mile or so on, we discovered a minor trail leading away from the main trail. We decided to head that way and explore some, eventually taking a deer trail down to the lake. We went around a few qu- we went around a few coves and eventually found a nice lakeside spot to set up. So at this point, after a few after a slew of bad decisions were set up. You know what that means. <laughs> I think it means it did a bunch of like mushrooms, chased it with some Everclear. Yeah, like what, like what does that mean? Okay, every, three days later, <laughs> everything is great until the next morning when we pack up and head the way we came. I guess we got mixed up and went up the wrong hill, Blair Witch shit, because about because after about an hour we realized we were totally lost. No trails, no landmarks, nothing. We went the way we thought take us back to the trails for seven hours. No food, ran out of water, we're basically screwed. Fast forward a bit, and we have finally hit level ground, so we take a rest. A few minutes in, however, I look up, and out of the corner of my eye, I see someone pass behind a tree and disappear. Now, it was probably my mind messing with me considering the circumstances, but regardless, it spooked the crap out of me, even though I grabbed my wife's hand and led her to the opposite direction. Within a few minutes, we were suddenly on a trail we hadn't noticed before. Taking it taking it, led us to the graveyard that marks the end of the main trail. A couple miles after later, we reached the car and went home. Now, chances as it wasn't really paranormal, but something about it, how it all ended up working out, and the fact that we stumbled across the trail leading to the graveyard has always stuck with me. Not the silliest encounter, I'm sure, but it was an interesting experience, to say the least. Huh, interesting. Then the comment says, a ghost might have woken me up on time to go to school. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How so? What happened? I was sleeping, and then I woke up to someone or something grabbing the back of my head, and I jumped up because it was pulling my hair when I wrestled for like a few minutes before I was free from its grasp. Huh. A very rude awakening. How you set an alarm? He's like, tell me about it, damn ghost alarms. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Pretty cool. That's funny. 
that's cool, man. It's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of times you get those really kind of nice, you know, was it benevolent mm-hmm. stories? Yeah, of like of a spirit or something helping you. Yeah, normally they're fucking threatening and imposing and stuff like that, so. Yeah. Well, you guys want to plug anything before we get on up out of here? Ooh. Yeah, you can check out our Facebook page, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Check out the Instagram, PXL Paranormal. The Twitter handle's the same thing. Uh, check out our new project coming soon called 13 Nightmares. It's a horror podcast with myself, Sean, and Brady. And it's going to be oh, yeah. a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be out this week, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I made a very rookie mistake and somehow forgot to uh, make sure my Yeti mic was plugged into GarageBand and record the whole damn two-hour episode on my earbud microphone that was rubbing against my beard the entire time. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to re-record that bad boy and get it back out ASAP. For sure. <laughs> Speaking of the Instagram page, I somehow forgot to post pictures from last episode, 124, so I will just mix those in with this post this week for this show. Cool. Yep, awesome. All right, check out Mark's solo podcast, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his attack at the backlog. I think that about does it, really. we got to check out the Patreon. we got the thing starting to cook up on there right now. There's just a spot for just a very, very minor, very humble donation of about a buck or so. If you feel like you'd like to, that's great. If not, we still love you. We'll have some other cool stuff on there as soon as 13 Nightmares launches. I think that'll be kind of, uh, kind of cool for people to maybe uh, want to partake in. More on that to come, though. Yep. Presto, what do you got, man? Well, as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard that will make Alien Jesus jealous, check out <laughs> BigGobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and use it to get succulent scents like frankincense, myrrh, cedar. No, no. Jesus got an upgrade, motherfucker, because he got sweet tobacco, bay rum, Dundee cedar, classic citrus. Mint, fresh. Woo! Check out Big Dob. Can you imagine? <laughs> can there? Can you imagine? Dob, <laughs> Preston, and Sean pulling up as the three, <laughs> the three wise men <laughs> with the beard bomb for baby Jesus, <laughs> and Preston gives the whole spiel. <laughs> Listen, Jesus, if you have a beard, you're gonna grow a beard, and we're gonna know you buy your beard. You should use Big Dob's beard bomb, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, and also check out our friends over at gunslingersoap.com. Check out all the wonderful soaps they got. Check out CD Trade Post here in Wichita. Pawnee and Seneca, go say what's up to Leslie and the gang. Say hi for us. Buy a shirt. Buy a pop vinyl. Buy a used video. Buy something. It's all good. <laughs> buy, buy something. Or just go in there and talk to Leslie. She's awesome. Shit, yeah, yeah. We can't wait to get back in She'll there. She'll always brighten your day. Yeah, oh, most definitely. And you'd brighten her day. Just go in there and just mention our name and say we sent you. And also, lastly, speaking of things to watch, you guys got to check out Hellier Season 2. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free to watch if you have a Prime membership. You guys have got to fucking watch that. We'll have an episode dropping sometime soon about that and some really interesting uh, synchronicities that you know our show has personally with that whole case and that phenomenon is it's pretty rad and uh, I'll just say it's very uh, something very refreshing about what they're doing 
um, for the entire, you know, community of the paranormal. Yeah. What they're doing, I think, is very important and it's very revolutionary. And it might be, I don't know, I don't want to, it's hard to compare something to Roswell, but what they're doing is going to leave a very big impact, you know, on the paranormal community as well as maybe society itself because of just the things they're uncovering season by season. So That's cool. And it's available where? On Amazon Prime, it's free to uh, it's free to watch if you have a Prime membership, but you have to have a Prime membership right now. But it will be going free to watch via YouTube, um, I think, within the next month or so. Don't quote me on that, but I want to say maybe January it drops. Because cool. see, and season uh, on one's YouTube. also on Amazon Prime as well. It was originally yes. on the, on YouTube, but you know they got a yeah. they got a deal, so a little bit more. Well, and I mean, like basically to kind of go on that real quick. Um, they went with Amazon because the first season, from what I understand, was filmed with the idea of having a very short, you know, two-hour-long little deal about the email they get about somebody seeing a little goblin on their property, mm-hmm. and then it unravels into this very long, you know, years and years go into this uh, this thing they're investigating. And then, you know, season two, they kind of had to find somewhere that they could make a little bit of a revenue off of because they put a lot of their own money and investment into season one. So they really had to, you know, find somewhere that would pay a little bit just because, I mean, that kind of shit takes money. Mm -hmm. Cameras, equipment, travel, boarding, stuff like that. I mean, once you see it, especially season two, you'll understand just what all they do and how much they put into making what they made. So. That's awesome. Yeah, can't blame them for, you know, making a deal. And, I mean, who knows, dude, if Amazon picks it up completely, we could get several, several seasons, hopefully. Nine more seasons, Morty. (laughs) (laughs) Without ruining anything, um, you know, the the plot just continues to thicken throughout. So, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out, guys. We can't wait for – and let us know what you think, too. We can't wait to hear what you guys thought. There's some pretty interesting stuff that goes on there, so. Oh, all right, I think I went on long enough. Uh, I'd just like to sign off by saying cheers to the weird shit in the world, guys and gals and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.